0: This is Geek Gab with your host, John and me, Daddy Warpig. We are back, Geek Gab, for Saturday, May 5th, 2018. Today, we are going to be talking about Avengers Infinity War, but also some brand, brand spanking new news on the collective. Card game front, but before we get to that, John, how was your week?
1: Hey, did a warpig. It's been really good. Uh, got some family visiting in town, playing a lot of games, watching some nerdy movies.
0: Everything's good. And so, you have actually seen um, the movie we're going to be discussing today.
1: Yeah, it's it's. It's one of those uh, planetary alignment things where, where we all see the same movie and we're going to talk about it.
0: All right. So nothing else exciting. You haven't like beaten up your players in your game at all.
1: It's uh, I, I, I can talk about that. So a funny thing happened a few weeks ago, three, four sessions ago rather is that uh, I was having I was having trouble with having six seven eight players, so I tried to do a, a, an OSR trick from Basic D and D, which is having a shot caller. I said I don't want to talk to you know I don't want to I don't want to talk to all of you guys. I said I, I, it's too much for me to get actions from everybody else. Let's have one person you know when you guys figure out what you're going to do, have one guy sum it up for me and then we can just do it. And then last session we only had four players. And, and they finally let me know that, that they did not like that system at all. Not necessary for four players at all. But uh, the four guys that showed up, uh, we had a great time. And when you have fewer players, you're able to have more actions. Uh, they, they were able to delve deeper. In-
0: so it basically it made the game, oh, oh, this sucks. <laughs> Oh, believe it or not, folks, right before the show began, we were talking about um, moving to a different back end for the show, Um, and hopefully we're going to be doing that next week um, so that things like what just happened will no longer happen on the show. Um,
1: It's been a while since I've had the technical difficulty. (laughs) So, so how awesome. far did I get
0: in? <laughs> um, you, were, you were up to explaining why it fixed things, or that it had fixed things.
1: Oh, the, the, so the Shot Caller method was really nice for when I had seven players. Uh, it, uh, it saved a little bit of time, and it's really tough when doing especially something like combat, where you actually want to hear everybody's action that uh, it takes a long time to to handle that and that's okay but when you're not in combat when you're just you know we're exploring this dungeon or we're traveling to such and such a place i don't want to talk to every player at the table it's just all right tell me what you guys are doing um and uh and so it kind of worked out well in that way but uh, when we had four players it didn't work well at all so it's sort of it sort of depends on the scale of players uh, I realized that the original rule was written when the suggested party size was something like six to eight characters. and in in modern d and d where you play, you, you know everything's scaled around four heroes. The, that sort of rule isn't really necessary anymore. All right. Have well, I disconnected again?
0: No no, no, you're there. I'm just thinking I'm like, it's good advice for anybody listening who plays d and d. if you have that many players and things are getting a little congested at the table, especially during comments, combats, then, uh, you know, give it a try. See if that simplifies matters for the DM.
1: Yeah. And and it'll help you structure your game because when the game was written, it was structured. The time was structured very strictly. You know, you would act in 10 minute turns. And so it'd be like, all right, don't waste my time, everybody. What are you doing for the next 10 minutes? Right. And then you could have one guy just sum it up for you, you know, Oh, Bill's gonna watch the door. Joe and Frank are gonna um, are gonna search for traps, and uh, Jill's gonna cast detect magic. Right? Okay, we're good.
0: All right. And you have some other news.
1: I've got some great news. Uh, I just found out about this a few days ago. Uh, there, it, it for my collectible card game of choice vampire the eternal struggle now this is a a game that was originally printed in 94 this is almost as old as magic um but it's been out of print officially for seven eight years now and uh, a new company has reached a licensing agreement with the current owners and they're gonna start producing cards again printed product Sweet. There's a there's a whole long there's a whole long history I could spend a whole show talking about the history of, of what happened and, and what that's going to be really boring, but it is it has been widely considered the best multiplayer collectible card game I ever printed, in the same way that Magic is a very popular game and a Magic is a good game, and in the same way that people say Netrunner is perhaps the best uh, one-on-one card game. Vampire's the best multiplayer card game. It's It shines at five players. Uh, but anyway, the, the, the group p- printing this stuff out is called Black Chantry Productions. And uh, they've got a website, blackchantry.com. And just yesterday, they made their first products available on drive through cards. This is, uh, you remember drive through RPG? This is Steve Wake's uh, print-on-demand business yes uh we famously uh form founder of white wolf games so that that's the connection there it's all connected to white wolf um so drive through cards is a print on demand or or printing service for card games and their first they're doing some reprints of one of the last sets that was under printed Uh, they definitely did not produce enough product before canceling the game and as well as one of the the newest fan-made set and their official sets now uh they, the the fan-made sets that the players association association has been coming out with for the past few years uh, were officially blessed by the new company last year at the european championship uh, where they actually had produced some of the cards from those sets and so this set is is an official uh, is official new expansion for the game, but it's a small set, about 120
0: cards. How? Um, and this is a little bit off topic, but not really. How uh, how is the card stock for cards that are printed on demand through drive through cards? Are they usable or?
1: That's a great question. I've never purchased cards through them. I plan on picking up at least the new vampire set. Uh, so I'll report back in a few weeks or a month or so. Um, I've got news about that off topic. Uh, I'll report back when I get those cards. to let you guys know. Um. Uh, what what you should know is that uh, I know some of the guys who are, who had the, the company and, uh, and I'll be seeing a couple of them at origins this year. Uh, origins game fairs, the, game manufacturers association uh, gaming convention in ohio every year and that's where we do the north american championship for vampire and i'll be attending the whole show and uh, including playing a lot of vampire i'm going to have nice conversations with these guys uh, who make vampire the eternal struggle so i'll come back and i'll do a show with full report
0: sweet um then before we hit uh... Avengers Infinity War. Um, oh, but you got actual press credentials for Origins, right?
1: That's right. Geek Gab will officially be okay. at Origins.
0: <laughs> so, this All is, takes
1: a, is a podcast.
0: <laughs> very, very first time we've been credentialed for anything. That's uh, groundbreaking news.
1: We um, journalists now.
0: Are, is there any benefits you get from being press-credentialed?
1: Uh, the, the press pass for the weekend, the, um, the actual convention admission fee was waived. So I basically got a, a free admission, and I still have to pay for my own event, events. Uh, which is typical for a gaming convention. Most people go to comic conventions and anime conventions and things, you know, typical fan conventions. You don't usually have to pay for events unless it's uh, an autograph signing, that sort of thing. But uh, at a gaming convention, a pure gaming convention, often the admission's pretty cheap, but you have to pay a few bucks for each event um, because there's a massive demand for uh, seats at each game. Uh, So uh, that's fine. I got to, basically, I was the first one to register for the vampire championship uh, because I got, I basically had early access to register for events. So it's pretty cool.
0: Um, and we'll be looking forward to the, your, your origins report. Um, I likewise have some role-playing game news. Um, just to let people know um, I am now credited as an official contributor to a role-playing game, the Torg, the Eternity role-playing game. Um, and even though none of my text is included as, uh, you know, I didn't write any part of the source book. I'm also um, have special credit in the new Living Land source book that just finished their Kickstarter uh, about a week ago. So. Um,
1: hey, congratulations.
0: That's nice. Um, Nice to be given some recognition for work that I've been doing for a long time. So um, I, uh, I'm excited about that. I'm happy about that. Um, so let's, now that we've got everything out of the way, let's jump into Avengers Infinity War. Um, Would you yes. think of the movie? Do, oh,
1: do you want the long version or the short version to start?
0: I let's start with the short version and go from there.
1: The short version, actually, it was, uh, it was a little long, but it was a lot better than I expected, and I had a good time.
0: I think um, I likewise really enjoyed it, and most people who've gone and seen it have really enjoyed it. Um, even the Red Letter Media crew, who normally hate Marvel movies um, or hate superhero movies or action movies, for that matter, they really liked it. They uh, had fun, and they were just kind of sitting around uh, in the video they did about it, stunned, just looking at each other saying, yeah, this is a good movie. I don't know how it was a good movie, but it was a good movie. So, um, and then I understand there's a lot of people who didn't enjoy it for one reason or another, and people have been pointing out some quote-unquote plot holes. Um, But, yeah, a lot of people... Really enjoyed it. I myself, uh, I actually saw it twice, not because I was so excited I wanted to spend money again, but uh, we saw it before opening night um, because I had access to a special event. And then another friend of mine called me up and said, hey, want to go hang out? I said, sure. What do you want to do? He said, let's go see Infinity War. It was uh, Brian, our friend. And I I said, sure. So I went and saw it again the next day. So,
1: Oh, that's interesting. Uh, did it improve? Improve on the second viewing.
0: Um, it was just as good on the second viewing. Um, it did not. Even though I knew what was coming, I didn't have any decrease in my uh, excitement. The action in the movie was top notch. I just I loved all the action uh, scenes. The big fight scenes were kinetic. Even though they stuck in some shaky cam, it wasn't too bad, uh, and it wasn't omnipresent, so I can forgive that. Um, I mean, I did dislike it. I hate shaky cam, but it wasn't too bad. Um, and they were exciting action scenes that served to not only you know have a big punch-up, but also illustrate character to show what characters were, to drive their stories, their uh, story arcs for a little bit. I mean there's a lot of things where I could say why I enjoyed it uh, from a technical standpoint when you sit back and analyze it. But the fact is from a visceral standpoint, from just going to wanting to see a superhero movie where superheroes and supervillains kick the cramp out of each other, it was a great movie. I enjoyed that. That's what I was looking for. That's what I got.
1: Yeah, absolutely. I uh... I think you're right about the, the technical issues, but it was fun. It, it's one of those things where uh, Black Panther, you know, I thought that was kind of a you know, mediocre sort of film. And somehow they made it work in Avengers. It was fun. It was, it was exciting. I tell you what, the, the film does start off with a, with a pretty dark scene um, continuing from the story of uh, Thor Ragnarok. And it's all handheld cam. It's all shaky. Sort of the shot composition's weird, and and the the cam, you know, the camera's moving around a little too much. I and I and I was worried that this is what we were going to get. I was thinking, man, is this? Am I going to sit through two and a half hours of this? And by the time the real action started, didn't mind. Didn't matter at all. Uh, whatever they were doing in the rest of the film worked.
0: Um, here's the here's the thing that, and now we're going to get into technical issues, I guess, right? Which is, apart from the visceral experience of of watching the movie and enjoying it, here are some uh, technical issues behind it. And I watched a video with the Russo brothers, who are the two directors. They directed uh, Captain America: Civil War. They directed Captain America: um, Winter Soldier, and they also directed Infinity War. So. Um, that's that's who they are. They have some of the best movies in the Marvel Cinematic Universe and were put on this one to helmet. And I think they did a phenomenal job with what could have been an absolute disaster, a cluster flop. With, it
1: should have been, yeah.
0: Yeah. So many different characters with so many different story arcs um, all in the movie at the same time. It's this massive crossover and yet it wasn't a disaster. It was not... Uh, confusing, and uh, we can get into the technical aspects of that. But what you're saying as far as the handheld aspects go. I watched a Vanity Fair movie that the Russo brothers did yesterday. I watched it where they kind of dissect the scene where Thor meets... The Guardians of the Galaxy. By the way, show uh, folks, the movie's been out for a week, and you can take the first part of this show as our kind of our recommendation. It was a good show. It was a fun comic book show. Go see it. So from here on in, while we're dissecting the story and stuff, we're going to have spoilers. So if you haven't listened to the movie, go see the movie, and then come back and listen to the show. So Thor meets the Guardians of the Galaxy, and they're showing how... Um, they made the impact, the emotional impact they wanted to in the scene from lighting choices, uh, things like that. And the problem they had with putting together Infinity War is that, and we've noted this on the show before, each Marvel movie is kind of its own separate genre and has its own distinct tone. So the Guardians of the Galaxy are really, really humorous space opera. Right, kind of cosmic and out there. They've got all these bright colors, this very, very florid color palette. And the the music underneath it is that 70s uh, and 80s uh, pop music. Um, and so that's what the Guardians of the Galaxy is. And you take it to Captain America, uh, Winter Soldier was this 1970s paranoid um conspiracy thriller and civil war was this big cross-up punch-up event with some really dark undertones of the characters and every single movie in the marvel universe has its own distinct tone thor has had the widest variation because they couldn't settle on Or the tone they started the series with wasn't as successful as they wanted. So with the second one, they tried to go more fantasy, and that was really a disaster. And then the third one, they basically tried to go Guardians of the Galaxy. But they have to take all these different tones from all these different characters' movies and make them work as one movie. And it was very, very difficult, but they managed to pull it off.
1: I, I think they did, and now that you talk about it, I, my best guess is, is that that was handled at the script level. I think it was very wise to uh, – they, they split the uh, characters up into groups uh, for plot reasons, or plot hole reasons if you prefer. Uh, but they did wise things like – We'll put Spider-Man and Iron Man together. We'll put Iron Man and Doctor Strange together. We'll we'll keep Thor and the Guardians of the Galaxy sort of separate from everybody else for most of the film. Just let's just keep those two uh, clashing tones away from each other up until they have to meet up.
0: Um, and and they did a brilliant job of kind of starting out with the, with the distinct tone and then melding them in. Um, I mean, and I think the Guardians of the Galaxy is the best example I can think of. When the Guardians of the Galaxy first show up in the movie, what do they have underneath it? A rock song, right?
1: Yeah, you know exactly. The, they, the music starts before you actually see what's going on. And you're like, oh, good. They're going to introduce you know my favorite characters. Um, and they did steal the show,
0: by the way. They did. The Guardians of the Galaxy. The best parts of the movie were either about the Guardians of the Galaxy or involved the Guardians of the Galaxy characters. Which I would have bet large amounts of money that if you said, "Well, what are the you know most exciting, most uh, the funnest, most enjoyable characters in the Marvel Cinematic Universe?" My vote would not have been for the CGI rat and the CGI tree. Rabbit, you mean? Rabbit, rabbit. Yes. I just, how could you predict that they they are literally the most enjoyable part of this movie and it's a good movie i'm not saying it's bad but the guardians of the galaxy walked away with it um just that first scene where peter quill is (laughs) intimidated by thor that was hilarious
1: it's great it was good fun to have them play off each other
0: um and then teenage groot also a hoot
1: yeah, it's it, it's. I'm glad that they find something for Groot to do because it, you know in the in the second Guardians movie he was just kind of pointless, and then in this one they they had a really funny conceit going where it's Groot growing up, so let's go ahead and do teenage Groot.
0: Um. Yeah, I mean, I just. They have a great dynamic those characters and the actors who play them have a great dynamic in their own movie and the russo brothers even though they didn't direct any of the guardian galaxy movies they have nothing to do with them they managed to keep that um they managed to keep that whole dynamic going in the movie they managed to make it feel like you know the guardians of the galaxy were guest starring in this movie um but it was still a Guardians of the Galaxy movie. It wasn't one of the other super serious uh, movies. And they did that with other characters too, like Spider-Man, right? His story arc follows on from Spider-Man Homecoming and it feels like the character is consistent from one movie to the next. His situation is consistent and what he does in the movie matches who he was in the last movie. And I think that's, that's, really, really difficult for directors to pull off, but these guys did it in every case.
1: I And I, I want to credit the writers again because I think they they made the choice to have the multiple separate movies uh, going at the same time and, and kept the cast separate for, for enough of it that the directors had enough wiggle room to do what they needed to do and, and they didn't have to try to cross genres or confuse anything.
0: Uh, it's What's amazing is that um, even though there are 14 different writers credited, only two of them worked on the actual script. The rest of them are are the people who created the original Marvel characters. <laughs> so you have Stan Lee, Jack Kirby, Joe Simon, uh, Jim Starlin, so on and so forth just they created all the original characters but the two writers who actually did the movie um one of them was the writer uh and i'm i am tech i'm looking right at the imdb page right now i'm not doing this from memory so um he worked on uh captain america civil war the winter soldier um, the first Avenger, he also, interestingly enough, did Thor The Dark World and the Agent Carter TV series, which was awful. The Agent Carter TV series was awful. Um, and the other guy, uh, who is uh, Stephen McFeely, and I'm, I'm not sure that these names are going to mean anything to you. Uh, it is Christopher Marcus and Stephen McFeely. They don't mean anything to me. Um, he did... He also worked on Civil War, Agent Carter, Winter Soldier, The Dark World, and The First Avenger. So these two have been together as a writing team for several movies, uh, four movies in the Marvel Universe, and they're writing the next one. Um, but they just did a, a fabulous job, because this is not a movie that would work in your traditional three-act structure. You had to structure it up the way they did, where it was almost – I mean, when you, when you boil it all down, there were two – well, three – parallel movies, two of which kind of collided at the end. You have the Guardians of the Galaxy um, and in one thread, and then um, Doctor Strange, uh, Spider-Man, and Iron Man in another thread, and those two run together uh, at the climax. And then you have Basically, they divided the movie up into the same teams they had for Civil War, right?
1: Yeah, more or less. Uh, the the Iron Man and Spider Man were off with Doctor Strange, and then the on on their adventures and on Earth it was uh, Captain America and Falcon and Black Widow.
0: Um, and, and then you know the uh, Black Panther and um. The whole Wakanda crew were with Captain America. But the way they structured that, because they're going for five Infinity Stones, right? Or six Infinity Stones. And he gets all of them this movie. Again, spoilers, folks. (laughs) I'm giving you a warning. We're in spoiler territory for this movie. Um, And that could have been just very, very, very... um, Schizophrenic could have been very disconnected, could have been very, um, very confusing to have this many characters in this many situations. But each scene, separate from the other scenes, logically flowed into the next, and why things happened to link characters together to move them from one of these threads to another, which does happen in a couple of occasions. Um, made perfect sense. Um, I mean, Thanos, they know, is going to go to two different places, uh, to one place to get an Infinity Stone, and Thor needs a weapon to fight Thanos. So you have two things that have to happen, and you have characters split up to go after those two things, and each of them follows their own little story. It makes perfect sense why... Thor and a couple of other characters go off to get his new weapon. And it makes perfect sense why these other characters go off in the direction they do. Um, and and the fact that they kept all of that coherent in the script is just insane. I mean, when you look at, when you compare it to uh, Justice League, which only had, what, the six characters of the Justice League? And they couldn't keep a coherent plot going. Um, and, and comparisons with Justice League are inevitable, and they're not to uh, Justice League's uh, credit. It just, it looks, it was bad enough when I saw it. Um, even though I enjoyed it while I was watching it, there are a lot of flaws, and I readily acknowledge the flaws. Bad enough when I watched it, but sitting it next to Infinity War, it just makes all of Warner Brothers' efforts in this DC cinematic universe, looks so disastrously bad. Um,
1: but yeah, it was clear that they they wanted what Marvel had, but didn't take the time or effort or pay it the right people enough money to find out why and how it was done.
0: And and they did. I mean, they had a similar problem with both movies. In Justice League, you have a villain who is pretty much brand new. He was introduced in this movie. So you have to get everything about him, his background, his motivation, his plot, and his goals all in this movie. And then in Avengers Infinity War, you have a character who has been in a couple of tiny scenes, um, mainly post-credit scenes, not even the main part of the movies. And you don't have... Um, So he has to be introduced from ground zero, who he is, his motivation, where he comes from, what his plot is. And on one hand, you've got Steppenwolf, who was, he may as well have been um, Mars from the previous Wonder Woman movie, because he, he didn't come off as being any different. Those two were almost the exact same character. And yet you look at Thanos, right? Thanos from the Avengers Infinity War, obviously he isn't any one of the villains from a previous Marvel movie. Um, You look at the villains from uh, Winter Soldier. You look at the villains from Thor, Ragnarok. You look at all these other villains. Thanos is his own character.
1: And that's, that's the nice thing, and that's one of the reasons for the long running time, is that they spend so much time developing him as a character. And as far as as far as and I think they largely succeeded, which, frankly, that blew me away. Uh, It's it's, I mean, he's completely animated. He's he's a cartoon, and it's like watching it's like that old saying. It's like watching a dog, standing on its hind legs. It doesn't do it very well, but you're amazed to see it done at all. Uh, Which is how I felt, uh, after the movie, because they pulled it off. They they he's a fully animated villain. Uh, much more entertaining than any villain to come out of uh, any of the other um, superhero movies in the past few years. Um, So So what did you think of Thanos?
0: I thought his plot.
1: (sighs) It's okay to say it doesn't make sense because it makes no sense. That's okay. (laughs)
0: Okay. I didn't think it made sense the first two times I've seen the movie. Then again, there are literally people in the real world who have that same goal for the exact same reasons, right? They want to kill off half of humanity because they think it'll make the planet into a paradise for everyone else. There are literally people who believe this uh, in the real world. There was a a group I read about, anyways, uh, I don't want to get off into a tangent about it, but... So, I mean, I guess it makes sense from that point of view that, yeah, the real world has people like this, but it still just felt like he was crazy because they needed him to be crazy because otherwise what he was doing wouldn't make a whole lot of sense. Um, So, yeah, I didn't really, I understood his goal. Obviously, he has a clear goal. And they set that up quite clearly and explicitly with Gamora um, because she is one of the daughters of Thanos uh, who has broken away, her and Nebula. Both of them make appearances in this movie. Um, And she sets up who Thanos is and what his goal is and stuff like that. And so um, at the very least, even though his plot, his reason why Why he wanted to kill off half of all living beings in the entire universe, not just the galaxy, the entire universe, why he wanted to do that um, doesn't necessarily track. It's kind of crazy, but at least once you say, okay, so that's your goal to kill off half the universe. How the heck are you going to do that? Well, we've got these infinity stones that we've previously introduced and previously shown being really, really powerful. The the Tesseract dominated, like it it made an appearance in Captain America, the first Avenger, and then came back again in Avengers Infinity War um, as major, or not in Avengers Infinity War, excuse me, just the Avengers, the first Avengers movie. Uh, And so you saw that it was powerful and it did stuff, and then uh, you had other Infinity Stones show up in different places. They've been building towards this for 10 years. 18 previous movies. This is the 19th movie. They've been building for it for 10 years. So at the very least, okay, he has these six stones which are created before the universe was created and they have complete control over one aspect of existence. Um, oh, and I also forgot the time stone in Doctor Strange. It made sense why he was going for those six stones because they would enable him to do what he wanted to do. So on that level, his, his goal and his plan for reaching that goal made sense. Have I stunned you? You stunned me.
1: I don't have anything more to say about the, the, the villain thing. I mean, except that all the other villains were just, ended, ended up being carbon copies of the hero. and And they couldn't do that in this film because they had what, 12 heroes, so uh, I, th- I think they, they did a good job with, uh, with a cartoon
0: villain. Um, I, And I'm trying to think of, there are a lot of technical things that they just did so well that it's hard to tease them all out because when you're watching the movie, you're really caught up with the movie. In fact, I saw it twice. You know how I usually say, oh, I've got five pages of notes right here. I, I literally have two words of notes on Infinity War. Uh, Cause I was so caught up in enjoying the movie and watching the movie and it was just sh- shaky cam. That's it. That's all I wrote down. Cause that's what annoyed me the most. Um,
1: oh, I got one really bad one for you. The, okay. The, the actual, the actual effects, some of them were pretty bad. And the, the, the worst one is, and this is uh, extra spoilers is that Bruce Banner was not able to turn into the Hulk for the whole film. So. On Earth, the Wakandans put him in this Mecca. He's, so he's piloting a Mecca, a Hulk-like Mecca. Really stupid. Um, Bruce Banner is the worst part of this film. Easy and then at the very end he's got you know the the helmet to the the bot is turned off and they're all having their like end of film celebrations and 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 or chatter and it's the the worst photoshop like his head is just sort of pasted on this on top of this cgi um robot this cgi robot so the robot cgi and there's him and it looks like his head is just pasted on it like on a green screen and it doesn't look real at all it's it's terrible um this is one of the horrible things like it's and it's the end of the movie too when you know the story's wrapping up poignant things are happening and 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 you're just looking at this and you start laughing because it
0: looks so bad um by the way, uh, Emery in the uh, chat is right. That was the Hulkbuster armor. Uh, if you remember, Tony Stark put it on to try and get in a fight with the Hulk in Avengers Age of Ultron, which I've only seen once.
1: Well, you know um, you know that that I've forgotten that movie for very good reasons.
0: <laughs> um, but... Uh, I didn't notice, it it didn't strike me as being bad on the two viewings I saw. Maybe when I go watch it again, I might notice it more. But what I what I really disliked about Bruce Banner is they made him comic relief. They, they took the most physically powerful Avenger, and they kind of neutralized him because if he wasn't neutralized and he was just left free to rampage, he would have wiped out um, the children of Thanos. Like Thanos has uh, four children who, despite having very little screen time and very few lines, they strongly distinguished visually um, and gave them a strong metaphor in their fighting style so that they were at least distinguished in feel, if not in what they said. You know, you have a big, huge one who has this... Um, Hammer on a chain that he throws out, and, and he's big and tough, and he you know rocks the ground when he walks. And you've got a feminine one who is very slender, who uses a staff, uh, who primarily fights the female heroes. And then you have another guy who is tall, really, really tall and thin, who has psychic powers that he's throwing stuff around. Um, and so they distinguished them in their visual look and in their ability, so you didn't have to spend a lot of time characterizing them in the movie. All of them, however, and we're getting back to the point with the Hulk, would have been paced if Bruce Banner had been able to turn into the Hulk. And so they had to neutralize the Hulk, I think, in order to make those characters a real threat, I didn't like it, though, that The Most Powerful Avenger was made into comic relief. Then again, in Thor Ragnarok, he was kind of comic relief for the whole movie. Um, And so maybe the writers were just trying to follow on after that.
1: Yeah, as much as I praised the writers earlier for for setting up an actual filmable script, they obviously did not know what to do with the hulk it, it, the hulk is is the the nuclear bomb that that destroys all of the whatever villains and plot they may have had so they had to they had to write him out of the film without killing him i mean if if uh, it, it's entirely conceivable that thanos could kill the hulk at, at least as you know as presented in the films and they're like okay so we can't kill bruce banner and and we can't have the hulk in the movie so what do we do
0: yeah, I just. Shame I don't on them. I didn't like their solution. I didn't like Bruce Banner being comic relief. I just. Yeah, I think yeah, he was the
1: worst, worst part of the film. Easy.
0: His character is intelligent enough. He's one of the most intelligent people in the Marvel universe. Um, in the Marvel Cinematic Universe, he's one of the most, the two most intelligent people. He. Uh, the other being obviously Tony Stark. And they should have found some other way. If they needed the Hulk to get out of the movie, they should have found some other way to neutralize him that didn't involve um, that didn't involve the Hulk. It didn't involve Bruce Banner being comic relief. Um, and and I don't know. I mean, there's I don't want to write the movie for them, but there's lots of ways you could have didn't done that. Um, I mean, Thanos has the Power Stone at the beginning of the movie. He could have just sucked up all of the Hulk's power and left Bruce Banner lying there helpless. Um,
1: Yeah. Yeah, there's a couple of easy ways out of that instead of turning him into bad comic relief.
0: So, I don't know. Are there any other major problems that, that irritated you about the movie?
1: No, no major problems. I mean, it's it, at the end of the day, it's a superhero movie. Is, so, all standard complaints apply. Uh, the, the, everything being in front of green screen applies. Typical of modern action films. Typical of Marvel movies. Um, I think the. I think it's good that they pulled off a script that uh, overcame all of those limitations of being a Marvel movie, and I had a good time
0: i um, trying to think of, of more things that will. Uh, um, I, I thought they did a great job of giving each character enough screen time to work on their personal story arcs that come from previous movies. You don't have to have seen the previous movies to understand them or appreciate them, um, like Vision and the Scarlet Witch in the Marvel Universe, and I haven't read any of their titles. But they're married, and uh, they have a romance going back for decades, and they have their own title together, Vision and the Scarlet Witch. Um, And you could see their beginning of their romance in Civil War. And this movie spends just enough time on that to let you know how that romance is going and how they're doing together, and then turns around and makes that a major plot point for the movie, Um, them and their relationship. And so they not only pick that up and give that enough time to develop, they turn around and make it the critical underpinning for quite possibly the most key scene in the entire movie. Um, So when you had uh, Bucky Barnes being, uh, you know, kind of retired and a farmerish pacifist in Black Panther, they show how he comes back and is kicking ass in the big fight in Wakanda. Um, I thought that was, you know, and his relationship with Captain Rogers and Captain Rogers' relationship with um, the other Avengers and then the other Avengers' relationship with General Ross and the Sokovia Accords, they pick up all these th- threats from previous movies, which I know you don't remember and don't care about. <laughs> nope. but they, they at least do a good job of showing, okay, here's War Machine and here's how he's suffering from some of the effects of Um, what happened in Civil War, and now he's back in his armor because of these things that you could see his adaptations to it uh, were. Um, And here's how they dealt with the council under uh, General Thunderbolt Ross and and all of that. I think they did a great job of giving each character enough time to breathe that they they lingered on scenes I never thought they would linger on. Um, They gave, you know... Uh, The Guardians of the Galaxy scenes, they didn't feel compressed. They didn't feel condensed. If you've ever read a condensed novel, right, they take this uh, big novel and chop out a bunch of scenes and chop out a bunch of words so it moves really, really quickly and you can read it really, really quickly, but it feels condensed, right? It feels like you're reading a super ultra-dense version of the original novel. This movie doesn't feel like it's been condensed from longer movie or longer scenes. They given I mean, a. F-
1: I mean, you can say that again. Sorry to interrupt, but uh, it is almost three hours long. If they had tried to fit it into a standard two-hour feature length, it would have been an absolute disaster.
0: Well, it, it's two and a half hours long. It's two it? hours okay. and thirty minutes. Um,
1: and and but- it feels a bit long, but it uh, it doesn't feel like it wasted any of that time. It just felt like it was a bit long.
0: It didn't feel long to me, though. What were there parts of it that dragged that you didn't like?
1: No, that's what I mean. It, it, uh, they spent a lot of time on Thanos, and and at the end, I was like, "Oh, that was kind of a long movie," but it wasn't. Uh, it there were no, the only parts. Oh, I take that back. There is one part that dragged. Was actually the beginning with the with uh, Thor and the Hulk. Uh, the the intro the introductory scene. I was like, "This is taking too long. Let's move on."
0: Um. So, it, at least for me, it didn't feel like it was condensed. Like they were rushing through scenes just to get them out of the way because they needed to get it for the next plot point and then to move on. Um, like the, the scene with Thor and the Guardians of the Galaxy that was played for humor, you don't expect a superhero movie to linger over moment, moments of romance or moments of humor um, you expect them to get on to the next either talky scene where characters are arguing or fighty scene where characters are kicking the crap out of each other. And this movie gave enough time to all the romance elements and all the humor elements to let them breathe, to let you enjoy them rather than just rushing through them. I mean, when Guardians of the Galaxy meets Thor, it's pretty much straight comedy Um even though the characters are serious, it's it's played in such a way that it, it's funny, and they just give you enough time to savor it. Enough. That's it. That's the word I'm thinking of, savor. They give you enough time to savor those different beats before it's back to more uh, confrontations between characters. Um, so I think they did that really well. And again, what you're saying, though, is there's a lot of people who said, oh, I thought it felt too long. It didn't feel too long to me, but I know a lot of people – have. So, um, I guess that's, you know, take it, take it for what it's worth. Um, we don't have to kick this show out to an hour. We don't have to vamp for 13 minutes, but is there, uh, is there any, there's a lot of stuff going on in the chat from one specific person. You want to bring any of that uh, stuff on air?
1: Uh, let's see. Uh, Emery Kalem. In the chat, was uh, got a got a chill when uh, Star Lord fired the gun. I won't spoil that whole scene, but uh, Star Lord ha- has some darkness ahead of him, that's for sure. Um, and also complaining very much about the Hulk's treatment. Uh, they had to write the Hulk out of the movie. It's a shame. Um, I I don't have anything else to add really. Um, uh, so I was glad to discuss the film. It's actually uh, I did enjoy seeing it. I may may even see it again. We'll see.
0: One of the big things, let's just talk about the Marvel Universe going forward, Marvel Cinematic Universe going forward. The big problem is this movie is definitely the first half of a two-parter. Absolutely uh, is going to be finished in the next uh, Avengers movie, which isn't going to be coming out for another year. And then um, you have two movies in between time, and nobody cares. Given the stakes of this movie and what happened at the end, nobody cares about Ant-Man and the Wasp, and they're, you know, it feels very, very small compared to this movie, and also nobody cares about Captain Marvel, and so I don't know that it's going to stumble in terms of money made. By the way, folks, um, Avengers Infinity War has made a billion dollars in 10 days. Wow a billion dollars. So I don't know that those movies are going to stumble. Obviously, they're not going to do anywhere near as well as this movie. And the Ant-Man movie was kind of soft for uh, Marvel movies. It did not do as well as its other brethren in the Marvel Cinematic Universe. But Captain America, uh, or excuse me, Captain Marvel and Ant-Man and the Wasp, I think the big problem with those two movies is nobody's really going to care. They're going to want to look forward. To the end of this, they want to find out what's happening next with Tony Stark, what's what's happening next with all these other characters. Given what they end the movie with, they're just going to be kind of sidelines that don't really matter. And the two things that they, the two characters that did not make an appearance that you would expect to make an appearance were Hawkeye and um, Ant-Man. You would have expected them to have made an appearance, but they didn't. Oh, and by the way, Ant-Man and the Wasp and Captain Marvel both happen before Infinity War. Ant-Man and the Wasp happens immediately before Infinity War, and Captain Marvel happens during the 80s. So they both are not going to deal with this movie or the effects of it even a little bit, even a teeny tiny bit. Um,
1: That's going to give the audiences a little whiplash
0: yeah um, and I think it's gonna hurt both those movies commercially um, but let me ask you a question did you notice that Aunt Nana and Hawkeye weren't in the movie I
1: did they even uh, had lines they each got one line explaining why they couldn't be there
0: yeah did that bother you at all were you expecting them to be in the movie
1: no I, I wasn't I definitely wasn't expecting Hawkeye to be in the movie uh, probably because the, he wasn't present in any of the trailers. And Ant Man, I'm not really surprised because the movie didn't do well, and uh, and I knew that Ant Man and the Wasp was coming out soon.
0: So, um, my thoughts on Hawkeye are they had the exact opposite problem that they would have had that they had with the Hulk, right? They had to get rid of the Hulk because he was too powerful, and Hawkeye, at least the way he's been portrayed in the Marvel Cinematic Universe, isn't powerful enough. He... Yeah,
1: I mean, it's a shock that Black Widow was even there. He would have been, it's just like in the other Avenger films, you know, he and Black Widow just sort of hang back and fight one-on-one. They don't, they can't handle whole armies at a time like Thor can.
0: Um. Oh, by the way, yeah, I mean that, that it, it's kind of sad that Hawkeye's been, um, been sort of relegated to that second string or third string status, but that's why he hasn't had his own movie and, and isn't you know my i don't think he's going to be getting his own movie um although black widow is um seriously yes they're making a black widow movie they've interviewed like 60 different directors for it and they're finding it's it's a big mess i i, I think it yeah. bids fair to not be very good when it comes out but i'm hoping I, I'm hoping that it will be. I'm willing to give them a chance to show me different uh, because they've surprised me thus far. Guardians of the Galaxy was a really big surprise. I was guessing that was going to be garbage. <laughs> so they really, really, um, really, really surprised me with that one. So I'm hoping they surprised me with the Black Widow movie. Um, yeah, so anyways... The last thing I want to talk about, by the way, is Thor's final scene when he makes his appearance in this movie. Was that cool or what?
1: I liked it. I liked it a lot.
0: That was... Oh, man. um, He's building up the whole movie. He's building up what he needs to do to become effective against Thanos. And then when he appears, he just he just kicks ass. It's awesome. It's the kind of Thor that you really wanted to see, but he didn't really have a chance to let go in the, in the Thor movies. Um, And so this is almost like the character finally coming into his own, you know, finally. And and the sad thing is, is this is the next Avengers movie uh, is going to be the end for a whole lot of headliners in the Marvel universe. Um, Chris Evans, his contract is going to be up and he's going to be walking away. Um, Chris Hemsworth uh, is going to be walking away. Um, I mean, they might come back for tiny little um, cameos, but their major involvement in the Marvel Cinematic Universe is over. And at least Chris Evans has been very vocal about it. He's tired of being Captain America, which I think was interesting because he was desperate for a franchise before he started Captain America, and now he's tired of being Captain America. Um and then, you know, Tony Stark is—I don't know what they're going to do. Robert Downey Jr. Uh, is going to be gone after the next Avengers movie.
1: He's—he's he's the one responsible for the Marvel Cinematic Universe, and it's—it's it's his defining role at this point. Um, yeah, and, and and they haven't developed anybody who with the with the star power or or as compelling a character as iron man or captain america uh they're they're in trouble in 20 by 2020 they're in trouble so i mean hey it's pretty good for uh for a run
0: yeah i mean they've done phenomenal in the last 10 years when you look at um how many movies they've made how quickly they've made them the huge amounts of people who've been involved and, and how badly Warner Brothers has done trying to do something even similar. And every other so-called cinematic universe has imploded. In the first movie, uh, they have the dark universe that was supposed to begin with Tom Cruise's The Mummy. Bam. Imploded. Right out of the gate. They didn't even get to the second movie. Um, you had supposedly a Transformers cinematic universe that blew up because the last couple of movies have not been very popular. Um, you had... Uh, and then Hasbro was saying they wanted to do a Hasbro Toys cinematic universe with. <laughs> with GI, I'm, I'm I'm laughing as I'm saying this. I'm trying to keep a straight straight face, but you know, Mask and GI Joe and the Transformers and the Visionaries. I mean, these were a lot of these properties didn't even do well, uh, even when they were popular, even when they were big. Um, Star Wars has infamously imploded, and they're trying to draw out a whole bunch of movies, supposedly the Han Solo movie, which I'm predicting is going to be awful. It's coming out in a couple of weeks. Uh, So we're going to be reviewing it. Go ahead. Say that. Absolute disaster. I think it's going to be disastrous. I think it's going to be awful. Uh, And that's coming in a couple of weeks, two or three weeks. So we will be reviewing it on the show here. I'm predicting it's going to be terrible. Um, but they're trying to make sort of a cinematic universe with that by doing all these side stories and backstories, doing Rogue One and Han Solo or, or Solo, a Star Wars tale, and all these other ones. And you know, the last, the last movie, um, which ironically was called The Last Jedi, uh, just blew up the Star Wars franchise. I think it damaged it uh, severely, um, and all these other so-called cinematic universes they've been. Either thinking of or trying to launch have just been bad disasters. And there's
1: there's no saving. There's absolutely no saving the the Star Wars franchise without a Highlander two level retcon.
0: Yeah. So you just have to be impressed by what Marvel's managed to pull off that nobody else has done. it's hard enough to get one movie out the door that doesn't suck, let alone even the worst Marvel movies are still pretty okay. I am um, infamous for my despise of, uh, despite of the Hulk movie, but even that's an okay movie. It's not a great movie uh, and it suffered from Edward Norton trying to rewrite the whole script. Um, they should not have allowed him to do that. Uh, or the moment he started talking about it, they should have gotten somebody else. Um because he just ruined that movie, um, but it's still better than Man of Steel, Batman v Superman. I mean, it just
1: no way. Hang on, hang on. We're gonna come back. We're gonna back. I I, I challenge you this for for later this for the summer. We're gonna go back and we're gonna rewatch Man of Steel, and and the worst and the best Marvel movies you can think of. I guarantee you, the Man of Steel will look good compared to uh, anything but the best. Marvel films. No. Oh yeah, oh yeah.
0: They did so much wrong with that movie.
1: They only uh, they did one thing wrong, and that was that was Pa Kent. Pa Kent was wrong.
0: I mean, just and we I guess we we talked about this before when it came out, but they tried to layer like three different. Um, story elements on top of each other for Clark. Uh, they tried to make him Jesus and they tried to make him E.T. the Extraterrestrial uh, and they tried to do something else I can't even remember off the top of my head now but they just didn't work. None of the three worked and especially not together. No, you know, I, that's okay. Okay.
1: Let's not do it. It wasn't it was, it was it wasn't a good enough movie to rewatch.
0: I, I will uh, that might be worth doing though. That might be worth trying though um, just to see. I mean, because what, what would you say the worst Marvel movies are?
1: Uh, Thor Ragnarok or Thor The Dark World, maybe. Um, oh, uh, Avengers, uh, sorry, Avengers Age of Ultron. Those are my least favorite so far.
0: Uh, I think the worst Marvel movies so far. Iron
1: Man 3.
0: Iron Man 3 and Iron Man 2, I really disliked. Iron Man 3 more. Um The Incredible Hulk, Age of Ultron, and then Thor the Dark World. If I were to list five, it would be Iron Man 2 and 3, Thor the Dark World, Avengers Age of Ultron, and the worst was uh, Incredible Hulk.
1: Yes, I can say with 100% certainty, if you laid all those films out in front of me and said, John, you've got to watch a stupid superhero movie this afternoon, Uh, which one is it? I would pick Man of Steel over all of those every time.
0: Okay, so what you're saying is, you're not saying that Man of Steel is actually a good movie. You're saying that it's better than the mar- the worst movies from the Marvel Universe.
1: Yeah, I think it's gotten a bad rap because of the weird story choices, especially with Pa Kent and everything, and and the dark tone. But I think it's a better. I think that has overshadowed the fact that it's actually not as bad as as you think it is.
0: Um, I think Zack Snyder was definitely the wrong guy to ask to start the DC Cinematic Universe, especially with Superman. Um. That just he might have been okay to do a Batman movie, just Batman by itself, but not Superman. That's just not a Zach. You have to know what your directors can do, and Zack Snyder was absolutely the wrong person to do a Superman movie. Um.
1: Good news, you did it, Daddy Warpig.
0: Way then, uh, far far away from uh, Superman. Okay, um, we have now hit the one-hour mark. Um, you have any final thoughts before we go?
1: No, thanks for listening in. Thanks for hanging out in the chat with Emery, and we got Morgan Newquist as well. Hey guys, thanks for joining us. Y'all have a good week.
0: Um, this has been Geek Gab, Saturday, May fifth, two thousand and. This is episode 139, talking about Avengers Infinity War and Vampire the Eternal Struggle. Thanks everybody for tuning in and participating in the chat. Um, Thanks everybody who listens to this movie later. You can enjoy, by the way, who listens to this episode later. By the way, if you're watching this episode on youtube.com slash geekgab, you can see the chat. All of the comments there are immortalized permanently. You can see the uh, uh, Emery Claim, I'm just guessing how to pronounce that. In the chat, putting out a lot of uh, good thoughts. Some we agree with, some we don't. Um, and so you'll be able to watch those because the way YouTube does it now, you can uh, you can read through those. So we're available on YouTube.com/GeekGab, or you can do a search on either SoundCloud.com, iTunes uh, Store, or the Google Play Store. Just do a search for Geek Gab, and you can find this show. Check out our previous episodes; they're really really good. A lot of people. Really liked our our Prometheus Award um, show with uh, Andy Weir, the writer of The Martian, and a number of other really great authors. So be sure to check that out. Um, And then we'll be back with uh, reporting on From Origins, from the Origins uh, Game Fair, and uh, sometime this month reporting on Solo, a Star Wars story. We are leaving you for today, folks. But don't you worry. Don't you fret. We will be back.